Thank you for joining me today, wonderful family, and I continue today teaching on walking in the Spirit, a most important, a most important truth. How to walk, how to live in the Spirit. And I told you yesterday what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So let's go to it. I'm going to continue from where I left off yesterday. And precious Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to show us today. To you be all the glory, the honor, the praise. We love you with all of our hearts. Amen. Okay. Now it says, therefore, verse 21, 1 Corinthians 3, let no man glory in man, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. What a powerful statement. The minute you are born again, you come out of the old life, the life of limits, and you come into a new life, no limits, meaning no past record, because that's all forgotten, the present under God's control, no fear of the present, no worries today, you are casting all your cares on him, and he cares for you and takes care of it, and no worry about the future, because now you are living in the spirit in a brand new place, a brand new world. And I told you how when Moses stood there at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army behind him, he did not see the Red Sea or the Egyptians, he saw God. That's why he could do this, he could stretch his hand with a rod and divide the sea, which is not uh, normal, this is not in the normal world, it doesn't happen, it makes no sense. But in the spirit, when God says, stretch that rod, he moved in the spirit and that water split. Or David, who said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I see no evil. I don't see the valley. The Lord is with me. I see the Lord. Or the giants that, that were seen by the ten spies were not seen by Caleb and Joshua. They saw God. So ten saw giants and two saw God. Why? Because living in the spirit literally delivers you from seeing giants or seeing the valley of the shadow of death or seeing the Red Sea or the Egyptians behind you like Moses. So now let's continue from there. Let's go again, please, to a most powerful uh, portion of God's word. And that is Romans 13. Now I, I've shared all this and more yesterday. If you Missed it, please go back and watch yesterday's program, Monday, today, Tuesday. Now, put on Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Now, I told you, the Word of God is the fuel we need for the Christian life. Think about if, if someone gave you a brand new car. That's a gift. Now you have to go and get, and get the gas, get the fuel. That's the word of God. Now you take the key and turn the engine. That's prayer. And now you move that car into a different place. That's life in the spirit. So we receive the gift called salvation. We receive the gift called the new life in Jesus. It's our duty to go find the fuel for it. The word of God is the fuel. It's our job to turn the engine on. That's prayer, which is the result of the fuel. The result of the word of God produces prayer. But now what, what do we do? We begin moving into a different world. And so that's how you put on the Lord Jesus. The Word of God brings that power into your life. Prayer 
actually causes you to move, basically. And now you're, you're moving into a brand new world. And this is where you begin to understand you have to avoid the places. You have to avoid the world that triggers the old life, that triggers the flesh. Because, see, this is not who you are anymore. Because we don't need it, we don't want it. We're not a part of that world, and that world will not be ever a part of us. So we strengthen now who we are in Jesus. We strengthen who we are, and here's how. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Now, I know I'm saying a lot in a very short time. I urge you, please, go listen to yesterday's program so you can catch on with, with what I'm teaching today so I don't have to repeat what I said yesterday. So, the Bible says in verse 22, Ephesians 4, I'm going to read right through 24, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful, deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice that Paul is telling you to do this. You and I have to do this. We put off the old conduct. We put off the old man. We be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And then he says in, in verse 24, and that you put on, you do it, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How powerful. So now God gives you the gift, the new life in Jesus. It's your duty to get the fuel, to get the word in your life. It's your duty to begin praying, turning the engine on. It's your duty to put that foot on, the, on, the, on that pedal to get the car moving. And, and how do you do that? Now you have the strength. Now you know who you are. Now you can avoid the triggers. Now you stay away from the places that the flesh wants to go into. Now you have the part to say no. And now you begin not only to put off the old man, but you have the power to put on the new man. Now listen to me carefully. I want to explain something to you real powerful. The difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is where God declares you righteous. So you believe in God, he declares you righteous. The minute he declares you righteous, you're free from the penalty of sin, meaning the past, sins you committed before salvation. But now God sanctifies you. You begin to grow into his righteousness. And growing into his righteousness, you become free slowly from the power of sin. From the power of sin. It's a process. It's a process. Justification is a declaration. Sanctification is a process. You have to hear this. So God declares you righteous in an instant. All right. <clears throat> when my Jessica was born, she did not know us, her parents. We declared her to be our baby. She's in her 40s now. 
So when Jesse was born, we said, oh, new baby. And we declared her our own because she was our own in the flesh. But she as a baby did not know mommy and daddy yet. She had to grow into the knowledge of mommy and daddy. Had to grow into the knowledge of my family. And now as she grew older and older and older, she began to participate in the family. She began to make decisions with the family. Today she's old, she's making decisions for the family. Isn't that amazing? That's growing into the family. So think about when you're born again, God declares you his own, declares you righteous. You belong to him. Now you don't know him yet till you begin growing into his knowledge. And so Paul and Peter begin their epistles by grace and peace through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours. Meaning that when you know the Lord, you grow into his grace, you grow into his peace. You grow into his image from glory to glory. Why? Because now he is sanctifying you day by day, day by day. How? By receiving his word into your life. It's our duty to put off the old man through the word. Now you turn the engine on and pray. Now your mind is renewed. Now you start living the new life because there is power in your life to live the new life. There's power in your life to say no to the old life. To, to say no to the flesh who wants to take you back. So it says, do not be conformed to this world. Why? Because it's possible to be conformed to this world if you don't do what God says. So God can give you a new life and he has given you a new life. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to succeed unless you receive the word. You have to go and find it for yourself. God said to Israel, go find the manna. He did not let the manna show up in the tents of the Israelites. They had to go look for it. And that was quite a job. Why? Because there's three million people looking for manna out there. That's a lot of people. That's long lines everywhere. Imagine every day they had to go look for the manna and there's millions of people out there besides you looking for the manna. So God said, no, I want you to go look for it. I want you to learn how to find it. He tells us, go look for the word. Go read the word. I'm not going to come and force you to read it. I'm not going to go and feed you the word. You feed your word. You feed yourself. And when you feed yourself the word, I'll reveal it. You read it, I'll reveal it. You read it, I'll use it to change your heart and life. And that produces prayer. The word always produces prayer. Remember Psalm 119, you know, verse 1 and 2 and 3. Blessed is the man who walks in the law of the Lord, who keeps his commandments and testimonies, who seeks him early. So seeking the Lord is the result of the word. And now he does no iniquity because the power of sin begins to break off that man or woman's life because it's a process of sanctification. And now you come into that place where you're able to do what? Imitate God. Ephesians uh, 5.1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And the, the Greek says here, imitate God. 
as dear children. How? Because you have received his life. Now you must draw from his life. See, living in the spirit is, I have to imitate God. I have to uh, receive from his life. Where? Within. His life within. So now, doing this enables us to become his children. Be followers of God. And now that makes you his child. And it says, right after it says, and walk in love. Isn't that precious? Wow. So, because we have received God's life, now we are joined to him in covenant. So it's really natural to adopt his ways. It's natural to walk in his ways. It's natural to draw that power from within and, and see it reality in our life. The flesh cannot imitate God. The flesh cannot imitate the life of God. Because to imitate God means to live in the spirit. Only people living in the spirit can obey Ephesians 5 verse 1. Now when we begin living in the spirit, the pull of the flesh is weakened. The pull of the flesh is no longer strong. Now listen carefully, this is very important. I was preaching for Pastor John Kilpatrick a few nights, a few days ago, and I said that and, and I didn't have the chance to explain it. When we are living in this world, when we live in this body, and we're not doing what we should do as believers, the force of the world is stronger to pull us back than God's force that wants to pull us into his kingdom. Why? Because the flesh hates the world of God. We have two, two enemies, the devil and the flesh. The devil you can resist with the word and he'll flee. The flesh you can't resist. No one does it say resist the flesh. You have to crucify it. How? I repeat, the word and prayer crucifies the flesh. It's the only two amazing weapons that crucify the flesh. So now as you are filling your life with the word, as you're talking to God through his word, now you're able to talk to God because, you know, prayer is not about a prayer list that you can pray in less than, than one minute. Prayer is when you are in fellowship with God through his word and you sit there for an hour or an hour and a half and you're, you are receiving his blessed word and you're meditating upon his word and now the tears begin to flow and you're talking to him with such love and reverence and you fear him and you adore him and you worship him. And now what, what happens? With, with, without you knowing it, the world changes all around you. The things that troubled you trouble you no more. Now peace floods your soul. You walk out of, of that room and you're a conqueror. Why? Because the force of the world now has been weakened. So Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Why? It's possible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which happens when you fill your life with the word in your mind. And then that word, as you meditate, gets into your spirit. And once it gets into your spirit, there's life. There's life. See? And now that beautiful anointing begins to flow where you can actually live 
in a world that conquers the flesh. So you, you, you resist the devil and conquer the flesh. Jesus conquered the devil. We resist the devil. We conquer the flesh. I said a mouthful here. I want to say it again. It is Jesus who conquered the devil and said, go defeat him. Resist him. One of these days, God will crush the devil under your foot, it says in the Bible. But the flesh, we have to conquer. So Paul says, I put my body, I conquer the flesh, I put my body under subjection. Lest after I have preached to others, I be rejected, I be a castaway. So I must reject the flesh so God will not reject me on that day. I have to conquer the flesh every single day. You know what is amazing? I resist the devil here and there. I have to to conquer this flesh every day. Every day. Resisting Satan is occasional. When when he shows up, I resist him through the word, you know. Then, Then he leaves for a while. We all hope he stays even longer gone. But this flesh is always there. Goes to bed with us, wakes up with us, eats breakfast with us. We have to conquer it every single day through the word and prayer and walking in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, something begins to happen. Now, please listen to me. Um, In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 10, Paul makes the most amazing statement. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What, what am I saying? Because when you walk in the Spirit, God allows trials. Hallelujah. God allows trials in the lives of people who live in the Spirit. Trials don't come to people who are living in the flesh. Never. Because they're a part of that world. You start living in the Spirit, and trials will come. Why? To draw out of you the fullness of the life of Jesus. So trials are not, uh, uh, you know, uh, the wrong thing. Uh, trials are an opportunity uh, to, to grow up. Why? Because God allows trials in, in our lives to draw out of us the fullness of the life of Jesus. Because if we were not tested, there would be no need to be strong. If we are not tested, there'll be no need to be strong. So Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproach, necessity, persecution, distress. Because when I am weak, then I'm strong. Wow. Hallelujah. So trials are the opportunities for the Holy Spirit to produce the life of Jesus in you and me. So James chapter 1 says, rejoice when they come. I pray this is really helping you because I know a lot of you, maybe sometimes, and we have done the same thing, we complain when trials come, we complain, oh, why am I going through that now, that, all that, that. But, but you, you've, you've got to see the, the, what's behind it. Trials and tribulations do not come to people living in the world or living in the flesh or living a carnal life. True trials and temptations and true persecution comes to people living in the spirit. That's a part of life in the spirit 
all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution, plain and simple. So he, so he says, James says in chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the, that the trying or testing of your faith works patience. Let patience now have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, and that word entire means complete, wanting nothing. Wow. So trials are the amazing, divine, Holy Spirit opportunities to bring out the life of Jesus in us, bring bring the strength of Jesus out of us. So, listen to me. We will fail if we approach trials as things we have to overcome. Hear me now. We overcome the flesh, not trials. If we approach trials as something we overcome by willpower, we will fail. But when trials come, we lean on the Lord's strength. We overcome the flesh. Trials come, we lean on the Lord. See, we resist the devil, he flees. How do we resist him? Through the word. We conquer the flesh through the word of God and prayer and living in the spirit. Now trials come to keep us in the spirit. Trials come to keep us on our knees. Persecution comes to keep us in that world called the world of the spirit where we can live godly. And when they they come, Never approach them as something you have to overcome. Rather, rest on the Lord's strength. Draw from within. Draw from within. Trials cause us to die to the strength of the flesh. Trials cause us to enter into the resurrection life of the Spirit. I want to pray with you right now. I'm sensing the anointing. Go, Go ahead, dear chat and oh that I'm going to play some worship for you right now because I sense the Lord I want to play with you right now trials are your God given opportunities to die to the flesh let Jesus through the spirit live let his strength come through And the Lord's going to heal some of you right now. As I'm reading Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, and 3 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above. That's the Spirit. That's living in the Spirit. Not on things on the earth. For you're dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bring them there. Just say, dear Jesus, bring me there. I want to live in that world, your world, in the spirit. Daily, Lord, continue the Lord. Bless them, I pray. Strengthen them, I pray. Let them see those trials, Lord, as opportunities to draw your strength from within and lean upon your strength. Like Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
when my flesh is weak, I'm strong. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise, Lord. Touch them, I pray. Minister your power and grace and presence to them. And now, Lord, touch those in need of healing. I rebuke that sickness in Jesus' name. I command that infirmity to go in Jesus' name. Why don't you just stretch your hands towards me as I'm stretching my hands towards you and ask God to heal you right now. Lord, heal everyone calling on you. Heal them now in the glorious, mighty name of Jesus. Give you the praise. Some of you are just sensing the Lord's anointing to receive his healing touch. But if you're discouraged, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in him. In Jesus' name, don't be afraid. You're strong in the Lord. That's right. Let his strength arise in you. And yes, he will overcome that problem in your life. He'll release you from it. Now I want to talk to you. Thank you, Chad. I want to talk to you about your finances, about why it's so important. And thank you for allowing me to pray with you, by the way. Thank you. But don't leave me yet because I, I, want, I, want, I want to say something important because we are living in days we need to be reminded. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've not seen his seed begging for bread. There are people today who are afraid of what could happen in the winter. Shortage of gas in the world. In Europe today, they're afraid what, what's going to happen this winter, coming winter, because of the lack of fuel and gas. In other parts of the world, they're afraid of war. Anything can change tomorrow. Iran attacking Israel or the West. Who knows? Or some other thing happening somewhere else in the world that could affect the economies of the world. It could happen. In fact, the Bible says it will happen. But I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed ever forsaken, or begging for bread. What do we do? Live the Christian life. And every believer, true believer, is a giver. You cannot give your heart to God and not give him the seed that he needs for the gospel. Because see, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteous cause, that's the gospel. That translation says righteousness, but it's actually righteous cause. Seek ye first the kingdom and God's righteous cause. And all these things will be added to you. When you, when you look up, when you seek the kingdom of God, when you look upon the Lord and seek him and his righteous cause, the gospel of his son Jesus, God will bless you. All these things will be added, that surplus, unto you. I sense a real anointing right now. This is the time to sow seed. So God can secure your future, can bless your tomorrow. I remind you of that every day because we need to be reminded every day. We need to be reminded every day because every day we are facing trials financially, worries financially through the word and through prayer, walking in the, in the spirit, we, we, we overcome in the spirit. 
We live beautifully in the Spirit, but we have to now obey also in giving so God can secure our tomorrow financially. So do it now, because that is life in the Spirit too, giving. All right, when we give, we live. Like the Dead Sea doesn't live because it doesn't give, give anything. God will bless you to all throughout the world. He promises that. So go ahead and sow on the platform you're watching me on. Or you can simply go to our website, benin.org. Or you can simply text BHM45777. And both things are separate. We don't give financially to receive spiritually. We sow financially to receive financially. So God can bless us in the natural, in the future too. Much love and tomorrow, another great program. I may continue teaching on this because there's so much information I have not even had a chance to even show you or talk about. So I, I just let the Lord lead me tomorrow, but you be with me tomorrow because this will be a beautiful day again for you and me. Much love, I'll see you tomorrow, and thank you for being my wonderful partner. God bless you.